and to hear your word. Lord, it is a privilege to hear your holy word. It sets us apart uh, from the world and it keeps us in a place where we can be used by you. It washes us. The word is water. And we thank you for washing us with the water of the word, keeping us holy and sanctified, set apart to you, and moving in power in this earth. And that's the wonderful part about it, that we are empowered to do good by your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So um, we're going to complete what we started yesterday. We began talking about the fact that we are separated and uh, what it means to be holy and what it means to be set apart, sanctified, and consecrated uh, for God's use. Uh, God has desired relationship with us, but it must be on his terms. And so holiness is God's term for relationship with us because we have a lot to learn about the ways of God. We have a lot to learn about God. And so that's part part of the holiness uh, uh, purpose is so that he can have access to us and when he begins a work in us he can complete it because we are set apart for his use and for his pleasure and for his uh, will in our lives we talked about what the word holy really means and the old uh, testament uh, word for uh, um uh, the Hebrew word for holy is one of the words really is uh, uh, kadosh or Q-U-A or Q-A-D-O-S-H. Kadosh. You'll recognize that word because there is a place or several places uh, in the Middle East with that name. Kadesh Barnea was one and that word Kadesh really means sanctuary. So Kadesh Barnea was a part of the nation of Israel and it was really a sanctuary in the desert. A sanctuary in the desert or a place of refuge in the desert. And isn't that true about us? We are a sanctuary for the people of the earth. And uh, when when you know a believer and uh, you're an unbeliever, God has provided an oasis for you. He's provided a refuge. He's provided nourishment for you. He's provided protection for you. So all of that was, was the sanctuary in the desert. It was a place of protection it was a place where you could feel safe and it was a place that you could get protection from the elements from the harsh elements of the earth and so God wants a people that he can set apart for that purpose sometimes you know as believers we feel like well God's not using me and I want to be used and then when God starts using you I feel like I'm being used you know (laughs) so it's all on his schedule you know what what we do and how we do it But I can tell you that God desires to use his people because there is so much need in the earth. Uh, We can never have enough uh, of of, um, things to do in God and things to do for God because there's so much need here. But God is really waiting for a people to cry out to him for 
some relief or, or you know when you, when you touch God's heart then he mobilizes his great body of believers and he is able to send us to places um, that that we never felt we might wind up before simply because we are set apart and ready for his use I kind of like that thought I like the thought of being reserved to do something that's going to make a difference to somebody I, I don't want to get out there and just waste my life <clears throat> doing so many things that don't really amount to anything uh, I, I I see uh, in in the newspaper every day you see people uh, who are dying before their time they're just burnt out living uh, you know in Hollywood now all of these really young people uh, actors and actresses dying of overdoses and things I'd rather be set apart for God I'd rather just live this set apart life so that you can know that there's something valuable or something about being separated that tells you you're of value you know it just speaks of the value that God has placed in his people and I think that's a, a good thing for all of us to remember uh, is that if you wouldn't be set apart if there weren't something of value on the inside of you and and we need to learn how to value that highly because it's something that can bring a great blessing to people on the earth and it's something that can bring great blessing to um, um, our family our schools our nation just so many areas that our prayers can touch because they are pure prayers they're holy prayers you know when you speak the word of God when you <clears throat> give God his word back you are actually participating in a transaction that could make the difference between life and death for somebody on the earth you know uh, and eternal life and death so you have the eternal fate of people resting in your hands and so we have to always remember that and so we are set apart for a good purpose and a holy purpose and a purpose that's worth staying separated for this this is something that's worth if separation if you could say that's a price you have to pay I would say that the price is well worth it you know it's well worth it even if you you just influence one soul for Christ one soul for the good that separation is well worth it so but there's so much to do God will give you so many things to do if you'll be obedient to him and allow this separation to take place so the word uh, actually uh, uh, sanctuary is a part of that that definition also uh, to be holy or to be separated really means to be sacred either uh, ceremonially or morally so we are a morally sacred people got me we have a moral standard that is set by God not by man but by God you know in the world now they have this uh, philosophy of what they call situational morality which means that it depends on what the situation is what your morals are but our moral standard is set and it's fixed and it never changes and so that's a good thing about being separated the standard is high but God can help us to maintain it there's no standard he sets for us that he does not uh, give us the ability uh, to attain to and he helps us to say separated 
The Holy Spirit is the agent of separation in us. And he leads us and guides us in this separate life. You know, there are things there. Uh, the Holy Spirit will not allow you to go to certain places. He will not allow you uh, to spend time with certain kinds of people. Uh, simply because it will defile you or, or somehow injure that separation that God has put there. And God wants to keep us pure. Because that's his way. That's very valuable to him. That he have a people that he can keep separated. Uh, separation in your thought life is important too. It's very important to meditate on the word of God. And they're purifying your mind. Keeping your mind cleansed. Keeping your mind pure. And set apart to receive God's thoughts. To receive his word. To meditate with him. Meditation always leads to germination. Germinate means to take the hard shell off of a seed and allow the life of that seed to come forth. So when we meditate on the word, it's like uh, if you've ever had seeds, uh, say seeds that have an outer husk on them. If you take them and rub them between your hands, you'll find that that outer husk begins to come off and there's a more tender kernel on the inside of that. Well, that's what meditating the word actually does to our minds and to our souls. It kind of agitates, rubs the impurities off, and allows the essence of that word to come alive in us. That word begins to feed us. It begins to lead us. It begins to set us apart. If we'll think that word, we'll be, uh, David said, thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so your heart then begins to minister to your mind. What's in your heart will come up and, and help your mind when you have to make decisions and so forth. All of those things are the work of the Holy Spirit that help to keep us a holy people, a set apart people who are reserved to be used by God, reserved for fellowship with God. We are God's peculiar people in the earth. The word uh, holy also uh, is is one of the uh, New Testament definitions. Uh, the word hagios means awful thing or terrible thing. Or, or awful in the sense that it causes awe. Or it causes you to notice or to be noticed. And I would say that we are awful people down here on earth. Somebody, we, We're always being noticed for something always uh, if you don't believe it you just let somebody uh, uh, ask God to verify that to you somebody's going to come up to you and say there's something different about you I've noticed there's something about you I'm not sure what it is but there's something different about you and so that that set apartness has a response in the earth it has a reaction in the earth and it is a, a response and, and then there comes oftentimes a reverence with it, a respect that you'll notice sometimes in the workplace. People won't want to gossip around you. You know, you ever go into the coffee room, people stop talking and they kind of get busy doing something else or, or uh, that kind of reaction. When you walk in that, that 
obedience to God that sanctification or that separate set apartness uh, manifests in that way you know they will they will respect you they will not feel comfortable I put it that way saying certain things around you and doing certain things there'll be a limit to what they'll do around you because that that's what you carry you that separateness is like a Oh, here she is. Oh, here he is. Or oh, the you know him. You know that kind of thing. There's a reaction there, and a reaction of awe, and a reaction of of reverence and respect. And that's a respect that they have for God. They sense that Holy Spirit, and they sense uh, that God is working in you, and it's real. You know, it's not a religious thing and it's not a put on thing because the world can see through that real quickly. Uh, they And they're always testing to see if you've got the real thing or not, you know. Uh, oftentimes you can tell you're, you're being on display because if you say something kind of out of line or something that sounds too natural, too normal to you, what kind of Christian are you? You know, saying that the, the enemy's always kind of jabbing at us. And so that kind of verifies that we're holy people and that we're set apart that we are different from the world God has always made a difference between his people and those who do not belong to him in times of testing in times when the earth is being tried you'll see the people of God uh, having been warned of things and if they heed the warning they get spared uh, there are times when the people of God uh, uh, can pray in situations and the situations totally turn around uh, you'll see that with uh, some of the people who were uh, in the World Trade Centers on September 11th and you know when the, the terrorists hit those buildings there are scores of testimonies about people that uh, thought thought to go to work and then they thought well maybe I'll just go in late today some of those people that decided to go in late uh, they were spared and so these are the things that we we need to understand God has a separate holy people here in the earth and there's lots of us here folks some of us are living at different levels <laughs> than others uh, but there's a lot of us here and the ones that that are called by God know how to respond to the Lord and when he needs to call us up in a service. So we are really a holy army down here. Uh, we are here for a purpose. We are here for a purpose of defending God's law. Uh, defending the earth against evil. Uh, standing against evil. And declaring the word of the Lord. Uh, so in, in, in God's God's economy of things we are here as his examples his representatives his ambassadors uh, we're his servants we're his friends we are everything to God really as far as this earth is concerned so when God sets us apart he sets us apart for uh, um, a certain purpose uh, he builds relationships with us we said on his terms not our own God requires a people that he can reach and teach his ways. So he is teaching us his ways. It's taken so many centuries for us to know as much about God as we do now. And many times, you know, people think they've they've exhausted all they need to understand about God. And then all of a sudden something will come up and they don't have the answer. And then they'll know, you know, I still have much to learn. 
So I think it's kind of a, a folly to think that you've, you're bored with your Christian life or you don't know what else to do or you've done everything there is to do a hundred times, you know, that kind of thing. Those kinds of ideas tend to get believers in trouble because that, that boredom is something that you can hear uh, sometimes with people who are, are about to get in trouble. You know, they're about to slip over and go over into the world out of curiosity because they feel like their Christian life is not exciting enough or it's not challenging enough or God's not doing. When when you start thinking that way, you know, get some more people to pray for. You know, uh, find some articles in the newspaper that, that really turn you off as far as the evil is concerned and set yourself to prayer. Uh, the the um, city of Tulsa people uh, were always um, uh, kind of moved and, and awestruck at the fact that there was so much ministry that seemed to pop up there you know kind of suddenly around the 40s 50s 60s and then over into the 80s and even now Tulsa seems to be kind of a, a, a drawing place and where ministry is freely done you know there's not much resistance there and uh, Brother Hagen was always curious as to how that got done because it seemed they were so easy easy to set up churches there and believers came in droves and all that kind of thing there were teaching uh universities set there you know built on god and and so many ministries that taught the word and so brother hagan began to seek the lord as to how that happened and over the years slowly god began to reveal to him several elderly women that prayed all day long i mean all day like a job all day the one woman prayed began got up early in the morning began to pray she took a break for lunch where she had a you know kind of a small lunch she said forth to pray some more three or four more hours straight and she had a break for dinner and after dinner she prayed some more and then went to bed you got me and so anybody who's bored you got me there's a prayer life probably that you have not even tapped into you know we can barely do our little 30 minute a day we're looking for minute bibles so we can have minute scriptures and minutes with god instead of hours with him but when these women decided to take up that burden of prayer god really put it on them and they were able to sustain it because the grace of God uh, sustains you through every work that you have to do for him. It's, you know, this, these things you just have to make the decision, give yourself over to it and yield yourself to the power of God. But that's no easy thing because most people want at least three or four hours of television. You know, they want to go to a movie. They, well, I can't neglect my family. You know, the minute you start that kind of stuff, that burden passes over and God will find somebody who will do the work trust me he will find somebody if it needs to be done he's preparing people already in anticipation of the workload and he can only do that through a holy people we can't be people who are in the world one day and who are in the church the next day that's not holiness that's religion or that's playing around or whatever people do but he wants a people who are set apart for him God's desire really is to impart holiness to all people. 
Because we all belong to him. He created everybody. And he wants fellowship with everybody. That's why he tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To everybody who will be saved. And everybody who will, will be, you'll be drawn to. You'll know who to speak to and when. Because the Holy Spirit will draw you to those people. Holiness is God's standard. Period. And that's not going to change. He is not going to defile himself. He doesn't have to. Uh, God's perfectly secure in his holiness. It's his people that get insecure with it. You know, we always want to compromise a little bit because we think if we talk about God too much, then people are going to be turned off. Well, they will, but they'll be turned off by other things you say too. You know, I mean, come on now. This is worth it to turn some people off sometimes. Holiness is by invitation, we said, and not by confiscation. You can't usurp holiness from God. You can't take that. You can't make that come upon you. God has to invite you into his spirit, and into his kingdom, into his life. And so when that invitation is given, when you accept that, he imparts his spirit to you. As you yield to the spirit and continue to walk with God, he imparts more to you. So that holiness starts as a seed in your heart by invitation. You can't make God make you holy. You can't make him put his spirit on somebody that he that doesn't come up to his qualifications and standards and doesn't isn't done by invitation. God's invitation always starts with receiving Christ. It's a preaching of the gospel. When you receive Jesus Christ, that is your that's your ticket in. That's your 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 you you get a pass on that. You get accepted because of his atoning work and because of your acceptance of that as the payment for your sins and not something you do or something you possess or somebody you think you are. And so it takes humility to receive that invitation. It takes acceptance of your limitations and your weaknesses. But then as you walk with God, you take on his strength. And that, that's when you know that it's worth it. That, that, that change has been made in you. You've moved from darkness to light. From weakness to strength, from you know insecurity to being secure in Him, uh, and you take these attributes on as you yield to the Word. It's not something that will come on you in one day, in one time, with one prayer, but it's something that's revealed to you as you walk with God. Uh, we tend to get more confident in God the longer we walk with Him, and that separate life is is very very essential to God, <coughs> allowing God to have free access to us so that his work can be done in us when his work is is working in us he allows us to share that with others through the preaching of the gospel sometimes you can find that you you are zealous at different seasons in your life newly converted people are are very turned on by God very zealous of God and so we he can take advantage of those times when we find the zeal uh, and fervor to do things for God sometimes you'll have more zeal if you hear a good sermon about it you know you'll hear somebody preach and it gets you stirred up and, and that's that's why we gather together regularly 
as believers. We keep each other encouraged. We keep each other separated. We keep each other built up. And we keep each other uh, in the hunt and, and, and glad about the things of God. It never fails, you know, when on your day when you're not feeling, feeling it or not feeling so close to God, you know, he'll have something get stirred up on the inside of you. He'll find a way to stir you up, um, you know, maybe a phone call from another saint, uh, maybe you're channel surfing and there's somebody new on television. You know what I mean when I say new, not the same warmed over people that are on there all the time, you know, maybe somebody's got a guest on there that's written a book that's challenging to you spiritually that gives you new insight or something God uses these things to keep us separated unto him keep feeding that holiness that he's put inside of us to keep us growing in that direction so that if we if we stay attentive to what God's doing there's no way you can miss because he gives you so much help you know to keep things going I can't tell you the times that I've gotten a, a, a phone call out of nowhere an email out of nowhere or a text message out of nowhere uh, where somebody will say something that oh wow I, that's that really was what I needed to hear you know and that kind of thing we all need to hear something to keep us going uh, you know ministers non-ministers believers everybody needs that Push that stirring up, that feeding of your spirit of holiness so that you can keep living this separate life. Because the temptation is always to quit. And we always say, go back where? But trust me, people find where to go. You know, backsliders always find something to do. Uh, because typically their focus has never been totally on the things of God they've always had a an escape hatch somewhere where they feel like they can drop out when they need to if it gets too tough for them and I think the toughness comes because they're not really separated unto God totally there's always something gnawing at them uh, where they're halfway devoted they're not totally consecrated they're not totally given over to the things of God and, and that begins to choke that word out that holy word that holy seed that keeps us walking with God gets choked out because of distractions that we we get involved in or disappointments you know disappointments are a big thing to to people uh, even if even if what they're disappointed about was never promised to them this is the thing that grabs me some people are disappointed about things God never told them they could have you got me it's just it's just the way people are and so they they need to understand how God separates us from those things I mean if you'll let this work for you you'll find that you have a a prosperous carefree life a joyful life a peaceful life all built upon God's word because you allow him to separate you out from that world you, you're not trying to keep up with anybody you're not trying to get anything that's not yours you're not striving after anything you're just peaceful in God and that's what he wants he wants a peaceful people because he's not throwing nobody out of heaven folks it's not gonna happen like it did before the last bad boy that you know and he fell he really didn't get thrown out he fell on his own and so there's going to be no more falling we're, we're all going to make it and we're all going to be successful in what God's called us to do and holiness uh, ensures that 
You keep yourself separated. You do your part and God will do his part. Our part really is just to obey the leading of the Spirit of God. And feed on the word of God. Let that word uh, dwell in us richly, the Bible says. And that word sanctifies us and keeps us pure and keeps us set apart. So the word of God is very, very essential to the work of of holiness and, and, and separation and keeping us sanctified by the word. It's very important. So when we were talking about holiness, we said that one of the purposes of this was so that uh, God would make people holy or separated unto him to cleanse them that they not die in their uncleanness. That's the worst thing ever is to die without receiving the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. In Leviticus 15, I didn't read it yesterday, so I'll read it today. So we get a good understanding of why God has to offer himself to us for our, our, our purpose of being made a holy people. It says uh, in Leviticus 15, I'll start in verse 30 it says and the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering the other for a burnt offering and the priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness so we're talking about uh, a woman who is is deemed to be unclean thus shall uh, she you you separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness that they die not in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them so God saw uncleanness as a defiling of his dwelling place uncleanness among his people was a defiling of his dwelling place you know this is one of the things that as ministers we have to be careful of uh, you know when you when you offer your pulpit to people you have to be careful that those people number one are saved and that they honor God when they get up there you know I mean people when you think about it it will defile that uh, pulpit it'll defile the altar of God um, by offering up a soul that has not been cleansed and purified thing um, when we first started our conferences we have some of the most unruly ministers sometimes come here I mean they get to carrying on and and you know I just would go through and start laying hands on people they didn't like it but I did it anyway you know if they'd submit I said mm, you need to you know what I'm saying and we'll, we're all going to get a dose of God before we try to do anything because you get to to uh, ministering and, and striving in the pulpit and releasing uh, words over people that are harsh and, and demeaning and all that kind of stuff you're not going to do that and defile the altar of God that's not sanctifying God before the people so we have to be careful that those people meet God's approval you know, seldom have we had anybody that, that it took a long night for. You know, usually uh, the power of God and the anointing that God has graced us with in this ministry has kept their words short, has kept their activities to a minimum you know God knows how to control who comes up here and so you do your best to get people who are qualified but you don't invite the unclean into the pulpit of God you just don't defile God's altar like that so it's very very important who you release uh, to 
uh, and, and release the authority of the pulpit to and over. Uh, I'm not big on, you know, uh, politicians and people like that. You know, we've had people come, maybe one person come to speak to us about uh, an election we were praying for and we, we got information about how to pray uh, from him and we let him, you know, share what he was doing in the in the community and so forth. But that's really as far as it goes. You just have to be careful about those things. And so when you when you release the altar of God to someone you have to make sure that there's no defilement there because then God judges and then you don't want to do that and so he wanted more than anything for the people not to die in their uncleanness that he has a way to sanctify them now with us it's through the preaching of the gospel where we offer salvation to people so that they don't die in their uncleanness that's the worst thing in the world and so we can offer that to the Lord we can also offer uh, repentance to people who are near death and you know sometimes God will have you go visit people and get you to to speak with them and, and don't be afraid to go and visit somebody who's sick and perhaps dying because you may be their ticket that they need to get that assurance that their sins are forgiven, you know. Uh, so, you know, I know Catholics make a big deal of it, but they're not totally in the dark on this, folks. There's, there's some good evidence, and I've seen it over the years, that God does prepare people to come home to him, even Christians. Sometimes Christians aren't living as close to, to God as they need to. And so they can be prepared at the end of their lives uh, for this. I had a friend in Cleveland that uh, we we were praying one time and she was always trying to get a ministry started here and always trying to get a ministry started there you know it is you know she do okay for a while and it just never took off the ground and so we were praying once and I had really asked the Lord I said well Lord what is it that why she can't seem to get this thing together because she was a, a very devoted person and she was a woman of prayer in fact some of the first prayer meetings that we had uh, we had her she taught us really how to pray in a lot of different areas before God gave us our prayer manual and so <clears throat> She was. She had a very, I thought, a very valid ministry and a heart to help people. Um, but God gave me a word for her one time, and he said that he had called her to a specific ministry. And he said it was an 11th hour ministry. And she lived in a, 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 a high rise for seniors. There were all these elderly people there. And she would always pray for them, and they knew who she was. But the, she had a specific ministry. God had placed her there so that she could make sure that salvation came to people in their last years. Absolutely. Norval Hayes, the same thing. God had him buy a hotel, I think it was, in Florida. And he didn't even want the hotel. But God had told him, he kept fighting God on buying it. And God told him to look around. And he said, look at all the people who come to Florida to die. He said, that's what they come here for because it's a big retirement uh, draw for people because the weather's nice. And so he, God told him, he said, most of these people mock me. 
and die. He said, I want them to hear the gospel. I want them to be saved. And so this, this is very, very important that people not die in their uncleanness. There are some times when people are <clears throat> believers, but they're not committed. They kind of drift in and out. Brother Hagen had someone in his family like that. Where he shared the testimony about uh, this gentleman who, uh, I think it was an uncle or somebody. He had a bunch of uncles and cousins and people like that. Uh, remember Cousin Dub or somebody like <laughs> Cousin Dub. He was always getting drunk. He'd come to church one week and then to get drunk for four weeks and they didn't see him. And he finally got saved, you know. But uh, one of the men, and, and I think Brother Hagen, he was sick and Brother Hagen uh, just prayed for him to be healed and and uh, he wasn't responding and so when he prayed for him to be healed he went to the lord again about it and he said well lord you know this i prayed the same prayer i pray for everybody you know for him and the lord said he said i'm not going to heal him and so he kind of <laughs> you know that goes against all my faith teaching that I've taught myself and I t- teach everybody else. But uh, And the Lord explained to Brother Hagen. He said, I've just gotten him to the point where he reads his Bible every day. He knows how to worship me. He says, I finally got him to the point where I've got him cleaned up enough where I can take him home. And I'm going to take him home and not risk him backsliding again. And so there are times when people know it's their time. Or people uh, don't have an option anymore. And so it's up to us as God's people to know what to say to people and how to prepare them. My mother, uh, when she was, uh, she got, she had, she had been sick she had um uh, she was on dialysis for kidney and circulation disease and she had had a part of her foot amputated and uh, she had begun to to get symptoms in her other foot and i went by one sunday after church service and and the power of god was so strong when i walked in the door it was like and everybody in the house asked for prayer it was one of them kind of things and so um i prayed for everybody and she said my foot she said my other foot is starting to to develop a sore on it she said would you pray for me she said i want to have it cut off again everybody in the house is weeping i'm weeping you know everything's in and so I had gone by there a couple times after that, and it didn't look healed to me. And I said, Ma, how's your foot doing? She said, Oh, that thing's healed, girl. That thing's healed. And sure enough, it totally healed up. And uh, But years later, she started to be plagued with it again, and, and she had started to be more withdrawn, and she would you know, dream about her mother a lot. She was very much, um, uh, you know, like a little baby she is the baby of the family she was a little mama's baby type of thing and and so if she would get really depressed she would start to think about her mother quite a bit and so <clears throat> when she went into the hospital of uh, that time um, I went to see her me and Pastor Shirley went to see her um, the night before she passed away and God led me to share um, uh, in um, the, the epistle of John if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and so she looked at me she says is that in the Bible 
I said, "Aha, uh-huh, it's right in here." And so I pointed to it, and but I continued to read it. I read it for her again, and she started to, you know, rub her the tops of her sheets. And as a nurse, I knew what that meant. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, she said, um, "She said that's all I have to do, and God will clean me up." I said, "Uh huh." She said, "Okay." And so we left her that night, and about five that morning, the hospital called and said she had passed away. But you see, the thing of it is, if we're not wise, we're not set apart so that you listen to God and you know what to do in all situations. You know, and I believe in divine health and I believe in healing. But I also believe that there is a time when people go home to be with the Lord. And only God knows when that is. That person may know and that person may not know. And so that has to be respected. But I'm telling you, being sanctified and set apart works all the time. I mean, it's a good thing to keep short accounts with God. It's a repentance is a good thing to keep your soul cleansed. You don't have anything against anybody. You're not holding any animosity towards anybody. There's nobody that you wish was dead or nobody you think owes you something or you hate them or you don't like them or something. You have to keep those accounts very short with God as a holy people. That's part of your separateness is to keep your soul cleansed so that... You can have total communication with God and you can have a separateness from the world. People in the world think like that. Worldly people are angry at somebody and it's okay. Worldly people want to get even with people and it's okay. You know, they they got... Uh, shows on now uh, about revenge you know everybody's trying to get even with somebody you know if kids made fun of you when you were a kid it's because you look funny usually I mean everybody we all got them pictures from grade school you know the that year you wish you didn't take that school picture we've all got those and so we're all victim of that kind of stuff but you don't harbor anything until you're an adult and then you want to get them people back for making fun of you you know you go make fun of somebody yourself you have your turn but <clears throat> but you know what I'm saying everybody does that cause nothing to get upset about with the whole world for and you know you want to now you want to go shoot up the school because somebody bullied you you know when when I was a kid there were bullies but you you found a way to catch them when they didn't have their their crew with them you know and you got them off of you you know all bullies stop it after a while you know or they go to prison for a long time so so they all all get there so you don't have to harbor ill will against somebody and look forward to a day when you can get even with somebody vengeance is mine the Lord says he repays people so we don't take his job from him we allow God to be God so we are we are to separate ourselves from everything that is unclean in Mark chapter 5 you see that Jesus did that Mark chapter 5 <clears throat> in verse 8 I think Jesus <clears throat> verse 7 when Jesus was uh, a A long way off, we're talking about the Gadarene demoniac. This man ran and worshipped him and cried in a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure you by God that you torment me not. And he said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. 
and so Jesus always took authority over that which was unclean that defiled a person now what was this man's defilement his was a mental torment where God is promised us power love and a sound mind if you know somebody does not have a sound mind you can take authority over that spirit it's unclean and it defiles them because it causes them not to think the thoughts of God and not to have a life that's pleasing to God or to them or to anybody else around them this man was so tormented that he couldn't even live in his own household anymore he lived among the dead people among the tombs and so when Jesus cast that spirit out of him he was able to go back and resume a normal life and live with his family and that's the payoff for living this life that you can take somebody's life situation that was so tormented and so destroyed and through the power of God and the word of God it can be mended and brought it back into a normal situation again I mean the payoff is tremendous because you have this power working within you that is able to bring a situation that had been uh, destroyed tormented no hope totally hopeless and turn that thing around through just one encounter uh, with with the power of God meeting that kind of situation always know that whatever God gives you to do you are capable of doing it holiness ensures your capability to do the works of God also if God sends you to do something know that you are more than likely the best qualified person to do it many times people get disturbed about family members that don't serve God or something like that and well are you praying yeah I'm praying but I get tired of praying well you're the best qualified person to pray for them you know you may be the only person uh, that that has God's ear that will pray for that person you know I know people sometimes I just ask God to raise up some well you raised he raised you up what <laughs> we're not gonna overlook you you're the obvious one uh, to pray for that individual you know I always wonder if that that's really coming from God when we want to pass it off to somebody else when all you have to do is utter a scripture on their behalf you know and then that covers the situation many times many times you do have to labor uh, with the situation until you see it come to pass uh, but we don't give up and that holiness has something about it that tends to keep you going after things uh, not giving up and not fainting and not uh, deciding that it's not worth it anymore uh, when you're separated unto God the Holy Spirit has uh, freedom to bug you about something or somebody until you get the job done and so that's something that's very important to know <clears throat> all the help it's available to us through the spirit of the living God and if we'll live this life for God in obedience to God we'll always be equipped for every good work every good work in 2nd Corinthians 12 it tells you that we are to live a life apart from uncleanness we are to repent of our uncleanness which we have done but you know sometimes your thoughts will start to de get you defiled again 
In 2 Corinthians 12, yeah, we have to be so careful in this day and age, we have access to so many things. You know, in the Old Testament, God would have them, uh, if, if Israel was at war with a nation that served another God, God often would have them destroy those people and everything that they owned to eliminate all aspects of that worldly life from around them but now the devil's gotten so cunning he just sneaks it into all kinds of things and it's it can be a challenge sometimes but you can stay separated from the things that that uh, are not for you so in uh second corinthians what i say twelve twenty one. <clears throat> Yeah, Paul's warning the Corinthian church. He said, unless when I come again, my uh, my God will humble me among you that I shall be well many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have repented of committed. I'm sorry. So the church in order to stay holy must live a separate life from these things and not let them defile you. Not let your thoughts be defiled with thoughts of uncleanness. And it's good to develop habits that you you can can do to make sure you keep your attention focused on the things of God and not on the things of this world because some of the 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 uh, temptations are very subtle it's like the story about boiling a frog you know if you gradually turn the temperature up he's cooked and not doesn't know it and so many times the things that we're exposed to are desensitizing us to to allow us some to to come in you know we're just not as adamant about protecting our eyes and ears and and uh, things like that from defilement I noticed that some of the uh, children's cartoons now you know they start creeping in with you know uh you know, uh, uh, you know, just obscene little things that they do that you tell your children, you teach your children not to do things like that. But they think they're pu- presented as being cute or funny or something like that. And it begins to defile their minds. So it makes it very, very difficult for parents to to lift a standard and keep a standard uh, for their children when, you know, you think it's safe to turn on a cartoon show and they're uh you know making poop noises and all that kind of stuff and laughing about it and you know saying uh talking about somebody's rear end and that kind of thing on a regular basis and it's it's acceptable to them but it's not acceptable uh to the church and so we have to find our own way to uh teach our children find a way to keep them entertained but not have the defilement you know sometimes you just have to turn it off and let your child know you're turning it off because this isn't what what you know I want you to to know and what I want you to say and so those things are very very important to to keep secure in us so that we will be able to to do the will of God without fail and so that's that's always good in first Peter one sixteen it tells you, God says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And it's good to be like your father. Uh, I know whenever I meet 
someone's family, uh, the first thing you do when you meet a new member of someone's family, you look for a family resemblance. You know, just who do they look like? Do you look like? And you'll make a remark about it because it's something that we look for for identification purposes. And so if we are servants of God and children of God, we need to look like our Father God. So there's got to be a family resemblance there. And that holiness and that that, uh, being set apart for him so that we can be used by God is so very important. That we uh, be imitators of God. So First Peter, what did I say? Was it 1 and 16? He says, <clears throat> in verse 13, he says, and these are good instructions for us. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, keep a tight rein on your thought life. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, you're living this life for reward, that, that God will accept you at the end of this life. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. So when you come to the knowledge of God, you have to make the right choice for him. Before you were ignorant. You know I know I was. If I had known uh, half of what I, I started to know about God years before. It would have saved me a lot of grief and a lot of trouble. Thank God I found God when I found God. And he says. But as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In other words how you live your life. Because it is written be ye holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect to persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In other words, be attentive. Don't take God for granted. Don't take anything uh, of this life for granted. But but always have a respect uh, for God, what he's called you to do, and the life that he wants you to leave. They just take it seriously. you know. And I'm not saying be a, a boring, dull, mean Christian. But I'm saying take it to heart and understand that you are called uh, to a holy calling. So we're to keep ourselves separate. Moses was introduced to the holiness of God by taking his shoes off. God told him, take your shoes off. The place you're standing is holy ground. So there's got to be holy ground experiences for all of us. There are turning points where we began to understand that this was a different kind of life for us to live. We can't do things like we used to do them. At times where we were ignorant, but now we know better. And so when you know better, you have to live up to that better way of living. So God means for us to be holy in every aspect of our co- character and our conduct. <clears throat> First Thessalonians 5 gives us a prayer for the church. And 5 verses 23 and 24. It says, And the God, very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. 
And I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says faithful is he who called us who will also do it. So this really is a work of God and a work of the Holy Spirit that we merely just have to submit to. Really to be honest with you. To me it's easier to submit to God than it is to fight him. You got me? It's much easier, especially after you belong to him. It's much easier to submit than to fight. I think people who, who can't don't seem to be able to get beyond a kind of carnal level of living don't really don't really get it by faith. They don't spend enough time in a word to understand that they are new creatures. Uh, I know when it dawned on me that I was a new creature, certain things bothered me that didn't bother me before. This, this is something that comes to all believers, I think, where you used to be kind of passive about things, something in you says, uh-uh, that's not right. And you obey that something in you that says, that's not right. And so that comes to everybody, and, and, I, and I know it can be obeyed. It can be obeyed consistently. I think sometimes we get in rebellion or we get lax in our walk, but then you walk for a few miles without water and you find out how thirsty you are. You know, you just get that thirst for God that cannot be quenched by anything other uh, than fellowship with God and relationship with God. Colossians 3.12 describes the church as elect and holy without blame. That means nobody can lay a charge to you because your sins are paid for and they've been atoned for. So we cannot lay a charge to God's elect. In 2 Timothy 1.9 the Bible says he has called us with a holy calling. So we're not called um, just as uh, um, teachers or lawyers or something like that. When you're called by God, you're a holy lawyer. You're a holy teacher. You understand? It's a holy calling. Whatever your title is, there is a holy aspect to it where God will uh, take over the reins of how you do things and have you conduct your life on a much higher plane, on a much higher level. There are many Christian doctors around uh, who practice, um, and, and trust me, Christian patients are glad to see them. Because, you know, when you go into that realm, you don't know how things are going to go. You're submitting yourself to natural means of, uh, of getting well. And so uh, many of them are, are, are excellent doctors too. There's some excellent ones who are Christians. And I think the one, more sincere ones are the more um, successful ones. Um, ben Carson, the neurosurgeon, is, is one that's followed God. He grew up here in Detroit. And, um, you know, his mother struggled to raise he and his brother. And he had a turning point in his life uh, where he got saved and, and decided he wasn't going to be a street kid. You know, he was going to live for God. Uh, he's pioneered a lot of techniques in pediatric neurosurgery, you know, and, and uh, those kinds of things. And so it's just been amazing the kind of life that God has given him. But he's still been a doctor, but he's a holy doctor. He's God's doctor and he does things with the, the leading of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter 2, let me turn back there. I think it's verse 9 I'm looking for. 
Yeah, this is us. It says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The nation of God's people is a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people. Isn't that true? We didn't know each other. We weren't kin to each other. You couldn't call us a nation of people. But now we are the people of God. So he's given us a new identity. He's given us a new dignity in the earth. And he's given us a new uh, a mission and a new ministry on earth. And that is to bring the life of God to the whole world. Now, when, we, when God has uh, for the priesthood, he has an altar. Okay, And the altar of God is where man meets God for ministry and to bring heaven down to earth. So for instance, if, if you go uh, witnessing door to door and you offer to pray with somebody, the altar of God is there. It's, it's between you and that individual. And you are to reach out to that person with the word of God. To resolve issues and to bring life and hope. And whatever God needs to impart to that person is brought by the altar of God. Sometimes you can sense the altar of God because the Holy Spirit will show up there in a different level of power. You know, if you if you pay attention, the Holy Spirit hovers over the mercy seat of God and he hovers over the altar of God to minister in mercy. And that altar is available because you are a holy priesthood. You got me? You carry God's holiness on the inside of you and you are a holy person. The Bible talks about the scriptures being being written by, you know, people will, uh, there are people who want to argue with you. Uh, who wrote the Bible? Uh uh, you know, in in certain in the uh, darker uh, uh, sometimes uh, um, uh, nations where there's a lot of Muslim activity and stuff like that, they will accuse the white man of writing the Bible, or they'll say a mere man wrote the Bible, or it was stolen from the Jewish people. But the Bible says holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So holy people wrote from a holy spirit what they were moved to write it wasn't written nothing about man on his own wrote this word of god the 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 scriptures were handed down and they've all passed the test of originality as coming from the Holy Spirit of God. It, it, God saw to it that these scriptures were kept intact. And they were the final translation that we have really English translation. The King James is the oldest one available. Before that there was the Textus Receptus which was written in Latin. And it was translated into man's language. And so through the ages all of these books of the Bible have have been kept intact by God and protected so that we the ones who are living on the earth now can be the recipients of that knowledge it's been kept holy separated intact throughout all of the ages that God has had his word written down here in the earth and I think that's a miracle in itself 
It's a miracle in itself. And this book is complete. There is no new revelation that's ever added to the scriptures. It's, it's, it's intact and complete the way it is. And so when, when uh, God gave this, holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we have a holy altar and a holy priesthood. And that's where man meets God for ministry to bring heaven down to earth. The pulpit in a church represents the altar of God where before sacrifices were burned on the altar in the Old Testament Jesus the once and for all sacrifice has released us so that when the Holy Spirit moves on us for ministry that altar is set up and everything that's ministered there is controlled by God if his standards are met and so God must minister through holy people who were called out by him you must be called and cleansed before God will use you and I'm not talking about ministry gifts only I'm talking about believers we're all called you don't come to this party uh, you know there's so many scriptures that point to that you know the ones that came and they didn't have the right clothes on etc etc you can't come to this party uninvited God robes you he cleanses you he dresses you and robes you in his righteousness so that you can carry out the duties of your assignment we must be sent by God before we can go out and do anything now when we go out as a group we're sent by God because God has put me here as the pastor and when I say we go out we go out we're sent by God his authority goes through the levels through the fivefold and then to the body of Christ and when God allows you to minister as a believer on your own he sets that up because he lets you know who to talk to how to be drawn to him all that kind of stuff that becomes a matter of your lifestyle with God sometimes the, the first time you witness to somebody it's almost a, a total accident you just open up your mouth and something blurts out that you didn't think was going to come out you thought you're going to ask somebody how their day was or something and you say something else well you're being sent as a believer that's your sending so you don't have to ask the pastor if you go witness to your neighbor go witness to your neighbor before they get away you know what I'm saying and so those are things that, that you know because you've been called and sent by God you have a command to do that in the Bible it says go ye into all the world it's te- speaking to all believers and the Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover and so you have a mandate to pray for those needs and so when you're sent by God you're sent out as a holy person and that altar of ministry is set up between you and the person receiving the ministry you cannot invite someone to the altar that God has not called there must be a leading of the Holy Spirit for that invitation for that utterance for whatever okay so so in in it's pretty free folks you know what I'm saying I mean there's there's not many people that God won't have you have some say something to you know I call it fishing you know you see somebody and you you say hi to them or you might notice 
compliment them or something like that and it will lead to more conversation oftentimes so you know that's totally acceptable to do but that altar is set up where the needs of that individual meet the holiness and the supply of God through a holy person and that's the believer that's you and that's me your platform is the altar amen you have a meeting place uh, uh, where you can do business for God God makes it holy and sanctifies it we do not he is the author and the source of all holiness and all good things in the earth we have to be careful not to breach that holy standard and it's very important because we're coming into an age now where uh, the new age uh, what we call new age thought or new age philosophy uh, needs the Christian's influence and needs the Christian's purity in order to get its work done and you know God's over the years reveal different things like that to me over the years but uh, when we pray uh, for uh, people who are uh, um, in the media Christian ministers and ministries that are in the media we always pray for protection over these people and over what they do because it's easy to get defiled by crossing over into a realm that's not holy and defiling the altar of God in Leviticus chapter 10 you'll see what God thinks about that because many people think well what difference does it make you know they're uh, these people aren't really doing any harm uh, many times in the music industry you'll see secular people ministering with Christians or uh, they'll go over into their camp and do a few songs with them and you know from what I can see the secular person is the one getting the biggest benefit but it's almost like the believer thinks like they're second second rate to the to the unbeliever you know they get all excited well this so this person and this person who's famous in the world is making music with me over here and that's you know a big thing to me uh, and and I think that's that's totally backwards and I don't see any any scriptural evidence for that being the right thing to do uh, but people do it and and I I don't think it's the right way to go because we're headed to a, a time where everything's going to blend together, folks. That you're not going to be able to discern very carefully when people have bridged over into the line, and it's not the ministry of God anymore because it's not holy; it's defiled. And so in Leviticus chapter ten and verse one. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Now these uh, young, young men were in the priesthood and they were being trained in the priesthood. They had let the fire of God go out. Now the fire on that altar was sent from heaven down there by God. God started the fire. So if you let the fire go out, you better repent and ask God to send you some more fire. But they decided they'd make fire of their own. And to me, this is a strange power working on the altar of God. The power from the world. Power to pull people in. Power of your name because you're famous. You want to get up there and you want to start preaching with God's ministers. And it says, And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. 
over in uh, the book of Numbers, they left no offspring. So when God kills off your whole bloodline, that means that he doesn't want that defilement to continue. Now how many times have we seen ministers of the gospel on the pulpit, sharing the pulpit with secular people? And singers and musicians sharing the pulpit and sharing their, you know, they get their songs together and, you know, so-and-so, he was on this song and we're so excited about them. And, you know, they just treat them like, eh. and you wonder who's crossed over where. And you wonder about the quality of the ministry that comes out of there. It a mixture. Um, Oprah Winfrey recently was ministering. With T.D. Jakes at his Megafest. Now she's going to have it on her television show. And she's doing her thing out there in the audience finding people. And these people need help. These people should not be in a big auditorium. They need to be directed to somebody who can nurture them and love them and help them and get them saved. But there's no preaching of the gospel. There's all this talk and there's, you know, oh, you know, this, this, you're a valuable person. Well, that's true. But they've got to have somebody make that value real. That's the purpose of the gospel, to make the value real. See, when you preach the gospel and you give Jesus to somebody, you have God dwelling on the inside of you. That validates your value. That makes it known that you're valuable. You're not worthless because God has chosen to live on the inside of you. You are somebody. But all of this talk about telling people how much they matter and how great they are and how awesome they are and you're, you've got a wonderful gift and it means nothing if it's never validated by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're robbing those people of something. And so when you, you, get, you start seeing these things, folks, this, this stuff is not right. Now, it's not right, and I'm telling you it's not right. And I'm not saying it's, it's not right because I'm old-fashioned or I don't know what's going on. Or, but this is not right. And this is the mixture God began to warn about of the new age because he has a mature bride who understands who she is and knows who she is but then there's the insecure bride that's not sure of her identity not sure of where she's going not sure not sure not sure and when you're not sure you'll find your identity in other people in their movements and their fame and their this and their that you'll be flattered by the fact that the world shows you some attention and you'll begin to defile the altar of God so we cannot be lured by God's by the world's standards at all the world's standards of popularity the world's standards of fame the world's standards of beauty any of that stuff we cannot be lured by the world's standards of that or we'll find ourselves riding over onto the edge and not have that holiness that God uh, has ordained for us to have when we have that defiled altar the power of God is diminished it's not going to be there there won't be power to deliver these people from the demons that are attacking them. Most of these people are, are, are tormented day and night by guilt, uh, feelings of worthlessness and rejection. All of, You need the power of God to help these people. And if Oprah Winfrey's your, your partner 
at the altar, you're not going to get the power of God to help these people. I don't care how big a name she has and how many people she can draw. You're not going to have God's power there because you're sharing your pulpit and your altar with somebody who is undefiled. In fact, she tells people she does not receive Jesus as her. She's rejected him. And yet people who know the Lord would gravitate to somebody who's already publicly renounced your God? Are you kidding me? But see, people think it's just, uh, you know, a show where they're talking to the audience like she always does. Well, she's always considered herself a minister of some kind. She's a preacher's daughter and she's backslidden. You're going to share, you're a holy man of God, and you're sharing your pulpit with a woman who openly lives with a man and says she's never going to marry him, but they live together, and you're going to call yourself helping people? This business of reality television, where now they get preachers on reality TV. All of them been divorced, losers. You got me? Won't pull themselves up from the bootstraps and repent and get right with God and go somewhere and, and decide they're going to count beans. If God says count beans, count beans. But don't get up there and try to pretend like divorce is normal for Christian ministers. It's not normal. Commitment's normal. Holy people know how to commit because God empowers you to keep a commitment. Most people, if you really think about it, people have been married successfully for any length of time. In order to stay married, all you got to do is be cool. Just don't get stupid. You know what I'm saying. You're right, Mr. Gary. Just quit running your mouth so much. Right. Go shut up and, and count your blessings and, and you know, <laughs> go, go to bed. It doesn't take a whole lot. You resist the devil. That's what it takes. Where we have reality TV, you know, with holy people on reality television. I don't get it. Defiling yourself with the world's standards. We have life coaches instead of disciples. This, you know, people who can disciple people. You know, where you really need to be discipling those people. You get a fee up front or whatever you do as a life coach and you take them through a little bit and then drop them. You, know, you don't have to make a commitment to disciple anybody all the way through their Christian walk. Secular musicians, you know, and, you know, and, you know, we just going to have him. Uh, guess who we got on the drums tonight? Oh, boy. You got me? Secular leaders working working in ministry. You know, it really, that blew me away. And it, it really made me angry because I thought to myself, I said, I've never seen Jake's preach with anybody other minister. You know, he always has to have the whole show for himself. But now that he's sharing with somebody, look who it is. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, she's smart enough to just be cool. You know, that's her... You know that goes sometimes. You you know what you what you into. You just keep cool. But the thing of it is, is that it's a defilement, folks. Defilement, and and we need to keep uppermost in our minds that we are set apart people. We're not like the world. We don't have any fellowship with the world. We don't have anything in common, except we're flesh and blood. 
But we're born again spirit and we're pulling them over into our way of living and not the reverse. We can't let this thing keep going the way it's going. It's got to get real back over to where God can keep us where we need to be. Because when the world needs help, they got to know where to come. They can't be confused about where to come. Is Oprah Winfrey a pastor? Is she? Do I go to? Do she have a church? She keeps saying as some of her shows, we just need to start a church. So she's been dying to get influence in that way. So we just keep it separate, folks. Keep it holy. God will be able to use us for great things. Do miraculous things. If it's one soul at a time, we do our miraculous and our great thing one soul at a time. If God permits. Amen. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand why we live the life we live, Father. It's got to be holy in order to have the power in it to help people we can only help humanity through your power and your leading and your holy spirit so we thank you father that we know it's worth it to live for you and we bless you lord in jesus name amen praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up and i'll pray for you